the hallmark of a good offer is actually relevancy plus novelty. So it's always two hands. So it's relevancy plus novelty. And we often don't talk about novelty in copywriting. We always talk about swipes. We talk about looking in the past. But on the macro level, what's happening is we live in a world where if you're a coach, there's a hundred different coaches. If you have a surfboard, there's a million different surfboards. If you're a copywriter, there's a million different copywriters. It's basically a red ocean economy, almost wherever you turn. And so we need that novelty to stand out in that marketplace. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 938. Today, we're going to be talking about copywriting. We're doing that with Kenneth Yu. Welcome to the show, Kenneth. Thank you so much for having me, James. Uh, well, we have a little bit of history. Uh, we, we actually had a meal together at Manly when I lived there once. And yep. you came to my event, yep. which is great. I appreciate that. And you and your partner both spoke on the stage. We had little mini segments. Yes. And I remember yours was very powerful. Mm. It sort of explained to people how they could use the same sort of tools that uh, I think religions use to convince yeah. people to do things. It was fascinating. Yes. We've recorded that and I think it's still in our membership. So for members, they can log in and check that out. When we talk about copywriting, first off, I'd like to know how you view the definition of that because most people listening to this are at an intermediate to advanced level, but there could be a couple of new listeners who think, well, what is copywriting? Is that like writing a book or something? How do you explain it? <laughs> Copywriting is basically salesmanship in print. So it just means that instead of sales that are verbal, sales that are either typed or written. So salesmanship in words is probably the more precise point. And um, whenever you use words, certain words connote certain emotions that lead to certain buying decisions. Because a lot of buying decisions is driven by emotions and copy helps you trigger those emotions in order to send your prospects over the hurdle into being customers. I love it. And in this industry, yeah. they call really good copywriters A-list copywriters. Yeah. It's kind of like Hollywood actors, right? Yes. Correct. So you would uh, be classified as an A-list copywriter. Yep. You've worked with clients like Agora and Mind Valley and yep. McDonald's. Yes. Now I'm really <laughs> interested about this. I mean, Agora, a big publishing company, a lot of yeah. people have heard about that one. Mind Valley certainly a very progressive and done a lot of great things in the space in a short time. And I've had Vishen Lakhani on an episode before. Oh, nice. McDonald's though. What great copywriting are McDonald's writing? I'm fascinated about this one. So this is an alternate application of copywriting. It wasn't for their sales per se. It was actually for their own internal staff. Oh, right. It's like, <laughs> so like the Hamburger University. Um, yep. So what happened with McDonald's, it was basically their own staff had issues with the brand itself and they needed the staff to sell themselves on the McDonald's brand. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it was an interesting experience, mainly because it wasn't just copywriting, it was an integrated media experience that we needed to onboard their ground staff and everything because they had a 110% attrition rate at that point for ground staff. That means you're losing 10% <laughs> of your staff every year. So that's devastating. So we helped them reverse that. Yeah, that's great. It brings up a great point, you know, about how to use yeah. these tools. Often you see the sort of caveat on copywriting training, like, well, you know, be careful how you use this is powerful. You've got to promise me you're an yeah. ethical person, blah, blah, blah. Like, 
But no joke, you can really actually get yep. people to do things if you want yep. to. So you can use this as a business owner to get customers to buy your things. Yes. You could use it as a business owner to have customer, sorry, your team members yep. uh, excited about working for you. Yeah. I imagine you could use some of the principles on yourself yes. once you learn the way to think about this. Yeah. Or you can use it on kidnappers. Want to hear my kidnapping story? I think it would, we'd be remiss if we left that one out. <laughs> yeah. So about 20 years ago, I got kidnapped. <laughs> so Did you survive? Yeah, I survived. I survived. And uh, I'll tell you how I survived. That's where I realized I had copywriting and sales as a superpower. So it was me and my friend, we were walking to the food court to have a meal. It was in college days. It was after class. And then a car rocked up. There was this car rocked up and said, hey, uh, we want the directions to the nearest mall. And we told them the directions to the nearest mall. They were like, uh, we don't understand your directions. Can you get into the car? <laughs> and, you know, being young and stupid, we both went into the car. The doors were shut. They drove us all to like some rural location and they brought out a knife and everything and basically robbed us. <laughs> but where the copy story came in was I had a conversation with the kidnapper and I basically convinced him to give me back my wallet, to give me back uh, my, my mobile phone and to give us even money to, for the train back. <laughs> so he dropped us at the train station. I managed to convince him instead of throwing us into the field to, <laughs> to drop us at the train station so we could actually make our way back. So we're relatively unscathed. I didn't think we'd be talking <laughs> about that today. So, of course, <laughs> I'd be interested to know what you said to him. Yeah, uh, I don't precisely know. But all I know is I managed to persuade him using a sequence because all copywriting is a sequence in order to, to get him triggered with a desired response. Do you remember the gist of it? What would compel him to do that? Was it something about him not wanting to be caught as a kidnapper or did you tell him about powerful parents or influential friends or whatever or, or anything else or that he was on CCTV camera? I just told him that I was harmless and that it wouldn't hurt for him to throw in a few extra bucks and to give back my wallet and phone because what can I do? Your, your face is generic enough. You already done this and everything. You already made your money. Now it's time to give back. So I use the power of reciprocity. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, gosh, it's a frightening situation to find yourself in. Yeah. And I've been in difficult situations as well yeah. where I've had to think on my feet. I really feel like the first part of my career where I was involved in debt collection and repossessions Oh wow! Mm. helped me craft my selling skills because yeah. I had to convince people to pay me even though they already had the goods and services. Yeah. And sometimes they were really unfriendly when I wanted to take their car back from them. They would threaten me with a gun or a knife. Oh, wow. So I had to talk my way through that. And I was only, gosh, I was like 21. I was 21 years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> and there's a guy with a knife, you know, yeah, glistening a man. knife. He's poking it in his pocket and I can see the tip of it. Oh, wow. And uh, he was really, really upset mm. uh, because we we're taking the car back from him. And I was in a video store where he was an attendant. Yeah. And he's like, I'll effing kill you, man. I'm effing kill you. And he's just looking at me like with yep. these nothing to lose eyes. Yep. And I'm just looking back at him and I said, listen, if you pull that knife out of your pocket, yeah. make sure you know how to use it because most people who die of knife wounds yeah. are the owner of the knife. Wow. And then I just didn't say anything. I just walked slowly backwards and left the building. <laughs> yeah. And then after he put his car on the tow truck, yeah. I instructed the tow truck driver to drive past yeah. the front of the shop. Yeah. And then I called him from my cell phone. I, was, I had this yeah. big 
like it was a suitcase type phone. Oh yeah. Very early days. Yes. Called the shop. Yeah. And I said, Hey, look out the window. And he looks out the window and the tow truck goes past the window with his car on the back. Yeah. And then I drive past and I have my, I gave him the bird. (laughs) <laughs> and I felt this just adrenaline pulsing through me. But, yeah, man. you know, you have to think on your feet sometimes. But as copywriters yeah, in business, probably most often you're not in a life-threatening situation. But yes. I do remember one of the greats, like John Carlton often talks about yeah. the gun at the head technique. Yeah, that's true. To come up with ideas. Yeah. Is it possible that without pressure or deadlines that most of us have great potential copy in us that's just not going to come out? Yeah, I think we're a lot of the time extrinsically motivated. That means we're motivated by external circumstances. Very rarely we have internal deadlines. I mean, some people do. I'm not sure if you do, you may. But basically for a lot of us, well, we're all externally motivated. So when it comes to copy, I find that with a deadline, then I start to come alive. Mm -hmm. Like I think it was last week, someone paid me like $50,000 for a sales letter. Yep. <laughs> and he say deliver it in three weeks. And then suddenly I come alive. Suddenly, woo! I'm I'm all happy and stuff. <laughs> so finally I this it's this cycle. I remember in the early days of me yeah. helping Kevin Rogers build Copy Chief. Oh, nice. Yep. When he came to me, he said the challenge as a copywriter is you're stressing really bad about trying to win a job and, you know, yeah. get a job. And then when you get the job, you're stressing like crazy to meet the deadline and deliver and meet yeah. expectations. And yeah. then there was just this continual cycle of stress to stress to stress to stress. Yeah. We solved that, of course, with a membership model. Yeah. And it's one of the great success stories yes. that I can look back on and think, well, that, that was a good fit for the problem. Okay, so yeah. we've made a little bit of progress here. We've talked about what copywriting is. Yeah. We've talked about how you can learn some of some of the instinctive natural skills through the course of life. But if not, yeah. lucky for you, where I've got this episode, so we're going to go through some of the finer subtleties of it. Now, you have won lots of awards. You've worked at Ogilvy. Yeah. You've done particularly well with uh, your own multi-million dollar businesses. Yeah. And uh, you've put together lots of offers, especially on some of the marketplaces, like ClickBank, one of them, for example, where yeah. you've had some top offers. Yeah. So I have no doubt you're good at this. Yeah. We've established that. And it's, it's probably important to, you know, from a copywriting perspective, that's sort of in the area of why should we bother listening to the Kenneth section? Yeah. Uh, we can tick that box and move on. Yes. We also, I think as, you know, as online business owners, we know why we need to compel people to buy. Yeah. But I'll tell you as a coach, this just comes up a lot. Yeah. I teach people mm. that not much is going to happen until you find your offer that converts. Yeah. Right. That's true. Like what is that thing that someone will pay you for yeah. that you can actually deliver that's the core of your business. Everything else, you know, your mindset around it, the scaling of the team, getting different traffic channels, all the stuff people love to talk about. That doesn't really matter until you've got something that actually sells. Yeah. And the biggest place I see people struggle is the offer creation yes. and compelling people to buy. And like 9.9 out of 10 times that a student shows me their page or whatever that they're having trouble with their business. Yeah. I'm like, seriously, dude. Like it's awful. <laughs> it's like the, the absolute. <laughs> there's not even the basics. There's no proof. Uh, yeah. It's like 17 different fonts. I don't know who they're talking to. I don't know what the thing they're selling yeah. is. It's like everything's missing. Yeah. So there's a huge gap out there, and I'm sure you're keen to solve with your holy grail offer. Yes. Uh, strategy. Yes. So let's just cover off first of all. What's different about your holy grail copywriting than all the stuff we've ever heard before? My copywriting strategy is predominantly about talismans. <laughs> it's about talismans. What are talismans? Talismans are an object you outsource your belief to because it can produce a benefit or a result. 
So the Holy Grail is a talisman in itself, right? If you look at King Arthur's legends, it's when you drink from the Holy Grail, I have a cup here. It was the cup that Jesus drank from, uh, supposed to give you immortality. King Arthur and his knights of the, whole, of the round table went to find the Holy Grail and they all died in the process because it was so precious to them to have this one cup. And the key is basically, can your product or service be this cup, be this Holy Grail? When your product, your service, your personal brand is a Holy Grail or a talisman, then results become a lot quicker and a lot faster. Because when a person believes in your object, they will pay a great price for it that goes beyond what its actual market value is. So, I mean, you see that in the movies all the time. Like, you know, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's all about a talisman. It's all about the Infinity Gauntlet and the Snap, right? So it's always about a quest for a certain object. And the key to why Holy Grail is different is we actually delve a lot more into the offer psychology of the thing. So how do we position your service or product as a talisman so that it sells itself or that when you sell it with all the copywriting strategies, everything, the result is amplified. Love it. It's great. So it's essentially people will say, oh, if I just have this thing, then I'm going to be so much better off. If I, yep. this is this is thing, I'm thinking of it in surfboard context. Yep. There are certain surfboards yes. that are so desirable. They yep. have year long waiting lists. Yep. They yep. are well, um, mm. the absolute, they're like a trophy. Yep. It's like everyone wants one. They're well-revered. They're well-known. I mean, look, even this one in my background, yeah, that's yeah. a special board. Oh, nice. That was hand-shaped by a four-times world champion. Wow. You know, and he yeah. he came along and he learnt from some of the masters in Hawaii. He combined a few ideas yeah. and he yeah. he took this new concept of the type of surf craft and yeah. he won four world championships in a row. Wow. Straight out, you know, just as a young kid and just set the world on fire, like yeah. Mark Richards is his yeah. name. and. Yeah. He's still, uh, you know, extraordinarily sought after. Anything that he makes is going to sell well and yeah. is desirable. We as surfers would like to think that if I have this board, I'm going to surf better, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, he, he doesn't have to do any special sales or promotions. That People just come to him wanting this thing. Yeah. It's quite the process. You have to deal directly. To buy this board, you can't even buy it in a shop. Wow. You have to deal directly with him mm. and you have to wait until it's ready. And they numbered yeah, and very exclusive. Yeah. So there's a lot of things going on there. But I can relate to this thing. So essentially you make your thing, your offer, so desirable that people feel like that will be the big difference for them yeah. compared to anything else out there. Is this sort of along the lines of putting yourself in your own category? It can be. And I think it is because the hallmark of a good offer it's actually relevancy plus novelty. So it's always two hands. So it's relevancy plus novelty. And we often don't talk about novelty in copywriting. We always talk about swipes. We talk about looking in the past. But on the macro level, what's happening is we live in a world where if you're a coach, there's a hundred different coaches. If you have a surfboard, there's a million different surfboards. If you're a copywriter, there's a million different copywriters. It's basically a red ocean economy where almost wherever you turn. And so we need that novelty to stand out in that marketplace. So you have relevancy, which is really what is the desire of the market? What's the, what I call the moving pain of the market, not the moaning pain. So moving pain basically means the pain point that will, the kind of urgency that will drive you. Is it just like relatability? It's like they recognize, oh, this is a solution for the pain that I have. So now it's a potential choice they could make. 
Yeah. But we still haven't got the novelty to stand out from the others. Yeah, sure. That's true. So there's still a baseline. Like basically, can I give you a slightly gory illustration of, of a paid? Look, we've already done kidnapping and debt collection. I think we know no bounds. So get in there. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so again, when I was young and uh, stupid, that was pre-meeting my wife. So <laughs> I had a bunch of burger patties that were frozen. So they were all like, you know, stacked on one another. And me being an idiot, right? <laughs> I took a meat cleaver and I tried to pry it open and I nearly chopped off my thumb. So in the process, they flick and then they chop my thumb. You can actually see the stitches here. Uh, I could see blood bone and then, you know, there was just blood everywhere. And the thing was, when I had that bleeding thumb, when my thumb was nearly sliced off, there were a few thoughts that came into my head and none of them were let's go Netflix, <laughs> let's play a video game, or even let's go to my favorite doctor. It was, let's go to the doctor that's below my house. <laughs> because uh, you have this urgent problem. You're not thinking about any other things. You're not even thinking about the doctor you're loyal to. You're just thinking circumstantially, who is the nearest person I can find to fix that issue? And we managed to go to the doctor downstairs because it was just such an urgent problem. So when it comes to relevancy, it's basically all about what's the moving pain of the market? What's the bleeding thumb that your market, your audience is facing? That <laughs> the thumb that when it's almost slice off, they go into a frenzy. So let me give you a less gory example, a marketing example of that. I'll tell you more later. So I'll show you the combination in a bit. Just on that point, I wanted to check in here because a lot of the time, especially like I've sell a membership training or I even give it away these days. And people have this idea they want to go out and make a membership around. And I'm like, well, hang on, is it something that people actually have a problem with? Yeah. I see a lot of people trying to sell things where there's no bleeding thumb. Yeah. Pretty common. Yeah. So would that be your first rule of, you know, thing to check? Is there even enough pain in this marketplace? I mean, yeah. suppose people are coming to it from different angles. Some people want to go and sell something. Other people have discovered a solution to bleeding thumbs that they just want help to get out there. Yeah. I think when it comes to bleeding thumb, especially for membership sites, it's do the people have an ongoing problem? Because sometimes it's a one-off problem and you're creating a membership and then that's an issue, right? Like <laughs> it could be a one-off thing. So that's something to consider for. Well, so I imagine after you fix your bleeding thumb, yeah. you probably go back to dealing with the doctor you prefer in your own time and stuff. You know? So like yeah. they got their one shot. They're in an emergency one-time market like the emergency plumber. Yeah. Or the divorce lawyer, the, you know, the people who hopefully yeah. just, it's a one-time thing. Yeah. Although I do know people who have made bleeding thumbs their whole career. Like I have a friend who does IT support for Facebook and Google and all these people. And Google and Facebook have all these emergencies that they cannot afford to go to global because everything goes to global first. And global takes three months to approve. So, <laughs> so they're like, we can't do that. We need to give it to some smaller company to get it done. And she charges whatever she wants. <laughs> and they're like, sure, get it done. I'd rather do this than go to global. Nice. So she just services Bleep yeah. So we want to make sure that our offer is yep. relevant. Yep. And we want to make sure that it's novel. Yep. It's novel. So novelty is basically, it's based on a premise. You give people what they want in a way they don't expect. Mm -hmm. So you give people what they want in a way they don't expect. And novelty falls in many different categories. But it's always... You either look to the past, to the present, or to the future. So depending on your products and programs as well, because it's also contextual. 
So what I mean by that is you look to the past, if you have a supplement kind of business or you have a business that's about personal development, everything, you can look to the past. That means you look to ancient times because ancient times, there's almost this fascination with the ancient that is superior to modern times. Let me give you an example. One example is one of my best-selling ClickBank offers. It's a product that teaches you the secrets of Babylon. <laughs> so it's a personal development secrets, a manifestation secrets of a Babylonian scripture. So Babylon in the old times. So basically you pair it together with the relevancy. Relevancy is I don't know how to manifest well enough. The novelty is give people in a way they don't expect. You use it by chanting Babylonian scripture. What's the number one product of its kind in the market two or three years ago? Or even at the most macro level, if you look at mindfulness, look at mindfulness, mindfulness, relevancy is I'm really stressed. I'm so stressed I want to kill my boss. <laughs> and the novelty is, you know, the secrets of the Indian yogis that the ancient Indian yogis in terms of meditation, everything, you combine it, it becomes the mindfulness practice that, you know, Western audiences crave. And then that's the past. You look at the present. The present is whatever are the contemporary things that are happening right now. And again, let me give you a, an example of that. So I have an immunity supplement. And in my immunity supplement, I look at current trends and I create the Holy Grail offers based on current trends. So for instance, yesterday, I'm just giving you something. I might do, I might not do, but I found it very interesting is that kids around the world now are suffering from something called immunity deficit. And immunity deficit is because of all the restrictions from COVID, the sanitizers, you know, the mask wearing and everything. Being locked inside like little prisoners. and <laughs> Yeah, we lock inside. And why is the flu season has skipped two years? <laughs> so the flu season has actually skipped two years, which means when something skips, it comes back with a vengeance. And especially if you're a young kid who's like zero to one at the time of the lockdown, you haven't developed your immunity system. So one of my friends, the kid got sick. Every two weeks, she gets sick. Apparently, the doctor says she's going to be sick another 12, 13 times this year. Yeah, that's right. They get like 20-something colds in the first five years, the doctor said. It was um, pretty surprised. Like every parent who's ever put a kid into childcare knows that you're going to get yeah. every flu for the next year and that's just yeah. immunity system building yeah but now it's compressed because she didn't do that for two years right but apparently it's happening to adults as well because we haven't went through uh so flu is coming out with a vengeance so again my offer is it's immunity supplement relevancy which is so you don't get sick and the novelty is immunity deficit is happening so you need something to bridge that divide so in business, we also look, let's say we're writing financial copy or something. We always look at what the US president is signing off on. Like it could be a new rule or a new bill and all those things. Like, oh, the Fed is raising rates again. Okay, these are the kinds of investments you should do. So, you know, again, relevancy is you want to invest stocks and make money. And the novelty is, oh, let's do it in a way that matches the Fed and whatever the Fed is doing. So that's one of how we use the present. The future for certain things like crypto uses the future a lot. Like, you know, the metaverse or Web3. So again, crypto is about greed, right? So the relevancy is you're greedy and you want to 10x your gain. And you do it by investing in Web3 coins, very simply. Or the biggest offers in the market right now for crypto is the plan. It's like an 80 million or 40 or 80 million dollar giant right now. It's just webinar based. Is that the crypto bot? The crypto bot, yes. That's the crypto bot. <laughs> you shake your head. Hope they get their vitamin D while they can. Yeah, yeah. They get their vitamin D while they can. 40, 50 million. Yeah. So again, crypto bot, 
and investing, right? So the future. So if you see successful offers, it's actually all about that over and over again. Like the number one product on ClickBank right now is a weight loss coffee. So again, weight loss, fast, relevancy, novelty, coffee or tea. They're both coffee and tea and they're both crushing it in the market. Well, that's, that's an ages old thing. It's yeah. slimming tea and stuff's yeah. been around. But, <laughs> well, let's just change it to coffee. <laughs> yeah, let's just change it to coffee and boom, suddenly it, it's a $20 million business, you know. I was thinking about that in the last week. I lost about four kilos last week. Oh, wow. And What do you do? Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking that, that could be a multi-million dollar offer if I was a marketer yeah. and wanted to publish exactly what I – I've never experienced results like that in anything else that I've tried, but I, I did like a very specific protocol and it, it was amazing. Mm. So anyway, I'll, that, we'll circle back on that one for another episode. Yeah. We might have to talk about ClickBank offers. Yeah. But in any case – once we've got the past, the present, the future, yeah. we're looking at the relevance and the, the novelty. Yeah. Where do we go from there? Then you create the offer or you, you position your service. The funny thing is you talk about surfboards, right? A lot. Like an awful yeah. amount. <laughs> I had a nightmare the other day. Someone stole my surfboards. I was devastated. Oh, wow. But I'm so pleased now. My nightmare is cycled up because my old nightmare used to be that I'm working in a car dealership. So... <laughs> I've now replaced my nightmare with a new, better nightmare. This one I could, you know, with a, for a small amount of capital, I could fix that nightmare. Yeah. But I, there's no fixing working in a car dealership. Yeah. I realized that a lot of offer creation or even product or business or building a business, a lot of them is you build a surfboard business. That means you ride the waves. So where the economy is heading, you just position yourself there. That's what I've done my whole life. You know, in, yes. in the, the recession, uh, early 90, 91 global, there was a real recession in Australia. Yeah. I was a debt collector. Yeah. As it came good, I went into prestige cars and then luxury cars. Yes. And then in the 2008, yeah. I moved into the online business yeah. as it was just all crashing around. You know, luxury was not where you wanted to be. Yeah. And through the pandemic, my business went great because all of my clients are online businesses and yep. had already been doing what the rest of the population was about to discover for at least you know, five to seven years. Yeah. So I think it's absolutely worth riding the wave and as you know, just not going against the grain. Yeah. I've had people like I've got a client in the trade show market. Yeah. There's yep. not a lot you can do if you're in the trade show market in a pandemic. Yep. Like you, yep. you, you can't force that one. Yeah. You just got to ride it out. Yeah. Which is true. Or if you're, you know, if you're selling, um, there's a lot of seasonal businesses. Oh. I mean, I live in a seasonal town here. Yeah. In winter, it's a little bit quiet. No. But if you lived in a snow region and in summer, it's sort of mountain biking or whatever, you can't sell the snow skis and rent snow gear. Yeah, that's true. When there's no snow. That's true. Or if you, you know, if you have an ice cream stand in summer, but if no one's buying it in winter, like you have to be aware if your market's on. And one thing I learned promoting affiliate offers yeah. is that, the offer fades at some point. Which is true. It'll eventually fade. Yeah. So I'm wondering how closely tied is the novelty to fad or trend? It can be. I think trends and fads give you the greatest amount of leads in the shortest amount of time or the greatest amount of sales in the shortest amount of time. But you still need to rethink it when the trend fades because trends fades, right? So let me give you an example. I never see results like this ever since. It's insane. So again, novelty and relevancy, right? So I just use these two. So yeah, during the pandemic, when we first shut down, so that was one week after where we met in Sydney, I came back, shut down. Laura, my wife, missed the shutdown of the borders by five hours. 
if she were not to meet it, I would have met her the year after because it took 12 months for spouses to come back into Malaysia. But anyway, so it shut down. I was bored because I didn't know what to do. So I created a cost creation course. So it's a course of creating courses, which, you know, no big deal, right? There's a lot of cost creation things out there. So that was, you know, the relevancy of it. Actually, no, that's not the relevancy. So I created a course. But so how I paired uh, relevancy and novelty together was I realized that a lot of trainers, a lot of consultants in the Asian region prefer offline. Like webinars never did well in Malaysia and Singapore until maybe the last two years because people just don't bother to show up for anything online. Everything is face-to-face. They don't Zoom. Like they rather drive, brave the traffic and sit down. So basically what happens is all these trainers that have their, you know, two years worth of training sessions, whatnot with different companies all shut down. Basically, you know, every single person have their schedule canceled. And so that's a moving pain, right? That's a bleeding thumb, right? Suddenly everyone's thumbs are sliced off. And so basically my relevancy was, look, all of you who have your offline businesses automatically dying, the novelty is basically, I can give you an online stream of income that can help you supplement or even replace your offline income. And by doing so, we created an offer that when the cuts open, uh, we made about $187 per email lead. We made like six figures of a 200-person group, pretty much. <laughs> you know, And it was because of novelty bus relevancy and it created the hottest offer. But the thing about the pandemic was we run it for two years. Like I thought I would run it for six months and to my horror, you know, two years later, it's still a relevant offer. Like how is the pandemic still here? But now, of course, we have to switch gears already. Yeah. I had a, I mean, I did endless case studies of people who switched from yeah, offline yeah. to online to educate yeah. my market. Yeah. But yeah. one of the ways I reacted was I created a safety net product. Yeah. I thought, okay, for people who are panicking or fearful, yeah. I'm going to create that trampoline underneath the trapeze high wire. Oh, nice. And I brought yeah. along a $10 per month subscription program Yep. Oh, nice. where people could ask anything they want. Yeah. You know, every single day I'd answer it. Yeah. And I ran that for about two years. Yep. I validated that you can start a membership with zero content. Yeah. I incubated clients who moved up into my regular membership. Oh, wow. Yep. And it was really great success. And it, wow. it was uh, critical also to learn the platform. Of course, I was using Click yeah. and uh, I wanted to get to know it. And so it was, yeah, it was yeah. a really great opportunity. I learned a lot too about the way that fear drives people and the way they react. Every, yeah. A lot of people on monthly subscriptions immediately panic. Yeah. People on annual subscriptions held the course because they're kind of in yeah, for the ride. Yeah. So that was quite an interesting thing. Amazing. I'm wondering, so it sounds like one of your greatest strengths, Kenneth, is coming up with great angles of a creation yeah. because that's where I see people get stuck. They just don't feel like they're creative people. I mean, you've worked for brands like Heineken, yeah. The Economist, yeah. DHL, yeah. and just coming up with the strategy after strategies. Yeah. Do you have like a checklist or is there a methodical process or are you just ad hoc? There is a methodical process. It's a five-step holy grail process is three days worth of content. So it's actually a, a huge, but because I've done it so much, basically I was just downloading like my entire mental framework. Yep. But I usually shortcut the process. So really I just look at novelty, relevancy. And the trick is I don't try to retrofit a product most of the time. I create the product yep. based on the relevancy and the novelty because I can, because if it's an info product, it's just a matter of- Is that the ideal way, do you think? to start with the market and then create the product to fit yes. instead of trying to find people to sell your product that you think is a great idea to? 
Yeah, so it's a Z to A approach for me. And I use Z to A for everything. Like if I'm creating a product for ClickBank, let's say a ClickBank product, I actually look at what the ClickBank affiliate lists are. So what already sells to those lists and I create a product that actually matches those lists. Yep. And I mean, ClickBank is predominantly Midwestern women in their 50s, conservative white. <laughs> like That's the ClickBank list, right? And then we just, okay, this, we know the demographic already. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought it might be like, 25-year-old Lambo cash gun people, you know? Yeah, that's the BizOp list. So the BizOp list yeah. would be something like that, but predominantly everything else is the white female Midwestern Trump supporting. <laughs> so, and you just write accordingly and you just create the products accordingly. Whenever I had the products on there, my affiliates would always get to the cart yeah. and see that it's ClickBank and then go and get their own affiliate link uh-huh. and uh, purchase it through themselves. It was like... It was so educated and so sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That's ClickBank for you. Hasn't changed that much. It's a lot bigger now, though. It's so much bigger. So, yeah. I actually coach someone who's big on ClickBank, and uh, it's fascinating oh, wow. seeing behind the scenes. Yeah. We will put a link to your Holy Grail program here, and I'll send a couple of emails about it as well. Yeah, sounds awesome. Because I think what's exciting about it is – I think the, the process, it allows you to come up with angles and ideas that get you to the offer. I mean, the offer really is everything. Yeah. I'm curious, like in terms of the boring stuff, like, okay, you've come up with your offer and your angle and you, you've got an idea. Where people tend to get stuck next is how do they get it on the, the page, formatting, templates, services, yeah. all that. How do you approach that? Do you start with a blank computer screen? Do you have a, a layout that you like to follow? Do you have someone you pay to do it? What's the advice there? So in terms of written templates, I would always use my own. So I created a whole bunch of Holy Grail templates that's proven to work really well. I'll give you one example now. It's a variation of the scalable parable I shared on stage, actually. So it's just mm-hmm. salvation, heaven, hell. There you go. So you use a framework. I use a framework, yes. Let's run through an example um, of that. And you can pick something you're familiar with that might be everyone's familiar with. Let's do a weight loss offer. That's easy. Okay. We're all, 50% of us are overweight, right? Something like that. Yeah. And after COVID, the number has shot up. So if you're actually thinking about relevancy, then you're looking at weight loss, blood sugar, mental health, all those are going to crush it in this recession. And BISOP, BISOP is going to crush it as well. So basically, since salvation haven't held, basically is sin is the problem. Mm-hmm. Salvation is the solution. Heaven is the offer. And hell is the consequences. Of not taking the offer. Of not taking the offer. So if you actually look at it from, let's say, even a Christian conversion context, it's sin, all of you are sinners, you fell short of the glory of God. Salvation is accept Jesus as your savior. Heaven is, if you accept Jesus, you go to heaven and have all these privileges. And hell is, if not, you go to hell. So, you know, very basically, that's the gospel message, as it were. And then um, if you do it for weight loss, it'd be like, Sin, sin is, are you overweight and you have an urgent timeline because you want to fit into your wedding dress? <laughs> so that's, that's coming in two months. Salvation is, yes, we can with this weight loss coffee. If you drink it, you lose five pounds a week with this protocol. Salvation, see salvation happen. So heaven is, is, okay, this is the offer. This is it for $37. You can get this coffee and it will be delivered to you on a monthly basis. Hell. If you don't take it now, how are you going to fit into your wedding dress in two months? Love it. Yeah. And where does proof mm. sit into it? What do people do if they're trying to create an offer, but it's new and they don't have case studies or testimonials yet? Does this ever happen? 
Yeah, it does. So usually what I do is I give stuff out for free so that I get a testimonial. Or what we do as copywriters, sometimes we tell them, look, if you don't have a testimonial, because it's like extracting blood from a stone sometimes, people are just so lazy, right? You write the testimonial for them and they sign off. So you, you basically write a testimonial and then they sign off. So that's what I might do for certain, I mean, not weight loss and not medical products. Medical products, I will collect testimonials. Ah, the other way to do it is you, you do Zoom calls with them because people tend to act better in real time. Mm-hmm. And if you leave it there, so say, hey, let's do a quick call. In the next five minutes and you do a call, you interview them. And I use what we call the T3 testimonial process, mm-hmm. which is terrible past, try product, a terrific future. So we talk about the terrible past. What's life like without the product? The more emotional, the better. Then try the product. We actually try the program. And then uh, terrific future is after, what are the after effects? What are the kinds of uh, things that you're doing now that is exciting? Good. I've heard that described as once I was lost, now I'm found. Ah, yes. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of, I've got to, I'm actually developing some playbooks at the moment in my own membership, which will just give people frameworks for all sorts of things like that. But oh, nice. I do love a good framework. Yeah. I actually use the Zoom calls as podcasts. I like to get my clients on just talking about where they were at before and what sort of challenges and problems they were having and how that affected them and then what we changed, yep. what sort of results they got, yep. what kind of advice they would have for anyone else. And yeah. these days, the best thing is I'm able to generate 10-year client case studies, like people who have been wow. with me for a decade. Oh, wow. And I've got a whole cohort of nine-year people that are about to click over to 10. And yep. so it's just getting more powerful yep. because you can, it's sort of ir- it's irrefutable. Yeah. It's very hard to dismiss that. Yeah. It's like, you know, they, you can, and what I found is people take a longer time frame yeah. and they're willing to work with me over that period. They can have absolutely profound changes. Like from when yeah. we started, when I look yeah. back at our old notes, I'm like, oh my God. Like <laughs> I've, I've got this guy who was making 130 grand a year yeah. as a solo consultant. Yeah. yeah. And now his business is pushing on $3 million a year. Wow. And he, hardly even works he's literally got someone running the thing and like i think that's a seven or eight year case study i haven't published that you know but i'm excited to do those ones yeah that's amazing so thank you for the framework on the zoom call thank you for the sin salvation heaven hell framework i imagine you got a whole bunch of other stuff in your holy grail program templates etc yeah who do you think should be learning from kenneth so I think everyone, like I say, if you can talk yourself out of a kidnapping. <laughs> yeah, on, isn't that the marketing where you can't, you can't serve everyone? Like, isn't that yeah, like the first step? Yeah, true, true, true. Uh, predominantly, I think uh, business owners, yeah. any form of business owners, because especially online business owners is copy driven anyway. Like yeah. it's, it's not face-to-face, not referral. You need the copy, uh, freelancers, service providers need the copy. And anyone that needs to create a Holy Grail offer for themselves needs it. Like whatever it is, it's so all those people fall into that category. And what's interesting, the one of the biggest buyers of my programs is men above 51 reinvention. I don't know why, but that seems to be <laughs> like if you're in your I know why. Uh, yeah. maybe yeah. well I've seen I mean I'm in I fit the category age-wise. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of my peer group, yeah, it's really, really common that I hear them say they're burnt out. Yep. Yep. Bored. Yep. Uh, they feel like they've achieved everything. Yeah. Or the thing they were doing stopped working because all these new kids have come through and are, yeah. you know just doing it all different yeah. and they're just lost touch or they're feeling irrelevant. Yep. And on the on the positive side, 
Maybe they've got time and money freedom that they didn't have before and now they like to learn things. Like I'm doing courses ongoing. I did a video course recently. I'm doing a learning course at the moment. Yeah, I actually go through courses and learn new things because I have a duty of care to my clients. Yeah. That's true. To be on point, I have to have no. my finger on the pulse. I have to, yeah. you know, I still see you posting there in some Facebook groups here and there, and comments, yeah. and in, uh, and I, I keep an eye on stuff. I'm actually a classic lurker yeah. on social media. Yeah, I now know not to make the mistake of wading into other people's arguments or trying to show everyone that I'm correct. I just let it go yes, and I just yeah. observe now. That is yeah. the best way for me to consume information yeah. in those platforms. <laughs> yes. I'll let other people do the heavy lifting. Yeah. So fascinating. All right. Well, I really appreciate the sort of overview. If I'm getting this right, the Holy Grail concept is really positioning your offer as a standalone, absolutely have to have, it'll make all the difference type thing that they really yeah. desire. Yep. That will make everything else you do much easier. Yeah. And you're doing that by being relevant and having some novelty and you're preparing for that by just having a look at the past, the present and the future and seeing what angles you can come up with to make it uh, special. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's it. Have I missed anything? No, that's great. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Kenneth. That's a very good summary. (laughs) We'll put a link over to your, uh, to your website on this episode. Yeah. This episode is episode 938. So if you check that out, jamesramco.com, we'll put a summary. My team will lovingly curate this episode into something more digestible that you can have as a PDF and we'll link off to Kenneth's program. Yeah. And I appreciate you coming to share and it's always good to catch up. I learn a lot when I chat to you. Yeah. And your track record and the results you're getting, I think you do bring a unique angle. I mean, you're from a different country you're in malaysia there then a lot of the other experts we've heard before typically we're hearing a lot about copywriting from the north america region yeah i love to hear from different cultures yeah different ways of looking at things i think it's a huge advantage just quietly yeah when you're outside that world it is Uh, but (laughs) it's um awesome and i look forward to the next time we can catch up for a a nice uh, slimming coffee Yes, we'll do that. And just just a bit about where the link is driving you to. It's actually to a free five-day uh, copywriting masterclass. Love it. Where you, you get to learn the basic step-by-step on basically Holy Grail copywriting. How do you write copy for a hyper-competitive market? And then after that, you decide whether you want to join me or not for the journey. Because the journey to El Dorado. So, <laughs> you can you can join me on the caravan to El Dorado after that, but just for you to evaluate, I love it, and to see what I'm talking about. <laughs> cool. I need to ask too if you yeah. could just um, give us some context on your T-shirt. There, it says they will ignore you. They will ignore you. Let me see if I can until they can't. Until they there can't. you go. Yes, I love it. Mantra by life. So <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Thank you so much. This is awesome to chat with you. And thank you so much for having me on the show. My pleasure. This is James Schramko. 